Hello, and welcome to the F1 Runoff Area Podcast. I'm Charles. And I'm Amir. In today's episode, we're going to recap the qualifying, or the sprint race, more accurately, of the uh, Italian Grand Prix at Emola. The sprint was a 21-lap race, I think about a third the length, uh, length of the, uh, the full race. And um, the starting grid for the sprint, of course, was determined by Friday's qualifying. And points are awarded in the sprint for P1 through P8. Eight points for P1 and seven for P2 and, and so on down to P8. And, of course, the results of the sprint determine the starting grid for the Grand Prix on Sunday. So a lot to be gained or lost because if you can do well in the sprint, you get it for a few points and you kind of parlay it into a nice grid position to even score some more points. So it's kind of a amped up weekend. Yeah, and for drivers like Science, you can kind of use a, a qualifying reset, uh, work your way a little bit back up through the order, hopefully, to qualify where you should have, uh, if not for your... Uh, issues let's say that's very good foreshadowing for um, <laughs> part of our discussion today so should we cover a little bit of the uh, classification here uh, for starters yeah let's just start before we hit the yeah. results of the sprint let's just start with qualifying real quick just what a yeah. crazy you know event it was just so many red flags yes i think it's it must be the track characteristics it doesn't seem like there's a ton of runoff and I guess it's hard to find places where they can crane the cars out, or at least there's not enough openings or whatever. It's a long track kind of cut through the countryside, mm-hmm. so not a typical modern Formula One track. So I think that leads to cars, if you go off, and of course we had the horrible conditions that right. caused almost damp, everybody to wet. spin. Yeah. And um, it got frustrating because I sort of thought, you know, you just keep it on the track, guys. But, mm-hmm. you know, these are cars are very difficult to drive in those conditions, so it's completely understandable. But so many cars going off, they just couldn't get them out of the way. And then they got a red flag, the, the darn thing, every time. And it, it made for, I know it wasn't as long as some of those earlier uh, races, red flag sessions. But it still, it just, it, it made this, this session, to me, in a way, kind of unwatchable. Because it was just like, yeah. what's the point? <laughs> yeah. To me, the, the phrase that came to mind was a, a blank show. I don't know if we want to cuss on our, but a uh, something show. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, the track characteristics are going to carry over to the race, right? And we did see that a little bit with the sprint race in that we got an early safety car. I think it was only three or four laps, maybe. But what it did was it delayed the introduction of the DRS because it's you know going to wait for a couple laps after every start. Mm-hmm. And so even the restart. So we were a third of the way through the sprint race before DRS was even available. That's I think right. it was like yeah. literally lap seven, I think it came on out of 21. Ghastly clipped Joe at some point, right? So we had the yeah, we had the safety car. I think that was lap one or two. Safety car laps for four laps. So yeah, restart lap six or seven, and then DRS a little bit after that. So. And so you'd think that that would have sort of hurt, you know, because of the intermittent conditions qualifying. We had a bit of maybe a bit of a jumble of the order in places. Yeah, and at least we certainly did for science. Um, but. So the sprint race, you know, like we said earlier, gives the opportunity for some of these drivers that didn't qualify where they maybe should have to work their way at least closer to that spot in the race. But, of course, if you take away DRS for the first third of the race, and, you know, some of those laps were outright lost even for racing without DRS, yeah. it, it makes it a little harder to work your way up. I was pretty skeptical Science was going to be able to do that. Yeah. And I think I kept having in my notes that, like, he's, you know, well, he's got fourth, but he luckily get third. And he ended up, he was like five seconds behind Norris, uh, to try to get third place um, with seven laps to go, I think. Yeah. And he ended up getting them with like two or three laps to spare. So that's over a second a lap 
uh, differential. Uh, you know, he was he was cooking a little bit. He was. That was impressive because you know he he obviously was uh, feeling the pressure a little bit uh, in the last race and in qualifying. Um, and so the pressure was really amped up for today because this is going to determine determine your grid. And uh, but he uh, yeah he managed to kind of forge through the field pretty quickly and end up uh, P four. Yeah. So let's go through the classification then. Yeah. So Verstappen wins the sprint. Uh, P one for Verstappen. You've got P two Leclerc. P three Perez. P four Sainz. Uh, P five and P six the McLarens. Uh, Norris P five. Ricardo P6, Botas uh, P7, and Magnussen P8, and I'll just round out the top 10 here. P9 for Alonso and P10 for Schumacher, his first top 10 finish uh, in F1. Uh, but of course, he doesn't get points because it's just a sprint and only the top eight get points. But uh, yeah, I think, you know, I always look to qualifying to sort of see how the order between the teams is sorting itself out. Well, this is even more interesting to me because we get the pure qualifying from, you know, the qualifying session, which, of course, was, was pretty much ruined with the intermittent conditions for, for these purposes. But then we also get the sprint race, which is a bit of an indication of race pace rather than outweigh qualifying pace. So I think we see a kind of a blended picture there. And what it's showing is that maybe Norris was underplaying his hand a bit. Uh, talking about Australia being such a one-off, McLaren here mm-hmm. certainly looks like the third fastest team. Yeah, uh, you know, Magnussen kind of just went backwards, and Botas, yeah. you know, was sort of the bottom half of the top or bottom part of the top ten for most of the most of the weekend. It seems like so far. So it looks like Alpha and Alpha Romeo and Haas are kind of slipping back a little bit, and McLaren is starting to assert itself. And of course, where was Mercedes? Uh. They went backwards even faster than. Than Haas did, than Magnussen did from fourth. Right. Russell started P11. Uh, Hamilton started P13. And uh, Russell finishes P11. Hamilton slips to P14. So that's both qualifying pace. Again, though, it was intermittent conditions. But that's both qualifying pace and race pace yeah. that we've seen. Mercedes seems to be going backwards and faster than some of the other teams. You know, so I don't want to be too hard on Haas and Alfa Romeo because they're still solidly in the midfield, you know, and they weren't there last year, right? They're, they're, they were at the, at the back. So they're, they're solidly moved in the midfield, and that's yeah. really, as we talked about at the beginning of the year, really the most you can hope for. You, it's hard to claw yourself up, even with this huge rules reset and the budget cap. It's hard to really claw yourself up that far in the grid in one, you know, off season. So even just if they stay here in the midfield where they are, sort of around the 8th to 12th place, you know, that's, that's, that's still, still really great. But yeah. the early season, we might be seeing now where some of the bigger teams, effectively McLaren, well, McLaren is really the only one, Alpine too, but McLaren really seems to, at least from this, it seems like McLaren may be that third place team now, and Mercedes may be behind Haas, Alpha, mm. Alpine. I mean, it, yeah, it's pretty discouraging for, for Mercedes at least. Yeah, it really is. Um one point on Magnussen, uh, he did. He started P4, ended P8, so he lost four positions during the sprint. But he was one of only three drivers who was on medium tires. Everyone else on soft. And then when you had the yellow at the beginning, that kind of plays to the people with softs because they're getting the additional grip. Uh, and now they have to worry less about degradation because they're doing four or five laps under yellow. Yeah, so and with- that might have been part of Magnussen's slide today. Yeah, and Schumacher was on uh, mediums too, so... 
yeah, yeah that can explain some of Haas's. And Alpha just kind of looks to be, you know, not necessarily fighting for that third place anymore, but solidly in the fifth or sixth, fourth area, you know, fighting for that that battle. So it's still impressive. But, you know, I think the bigger headline here is McLaren really maybe this was some true pace we saw in Australia, and mm-hmm. Mercedes really is is struggling. I, I guess people are, are able to compromise their car less with the porpoising because Mercedes really seems to be going backwards. So I think they might be scratching their, their heads a bit, unfortunately. Yeah, one of the weird things about the sprint uh, a weekend, a sprint race weekend, is that the teams, you have less flexibility on playing with your setup, trying different things, because you've got less practice sessions. And I think you are, um, I think there's more restriction on what you can um, modify uh, in the weekend after that first practice session. So if you miss early on, you're kind of screwed for the whole weekend, and it's a big point weekend. So looks like Mercedes missed, and uh, they're just in trouble. Yeah. So. Well, the, the porpoising, I did, uh, I think uh, Palmer, one of the, uh, the commentators, when Science passed Ricardo for fifth, sort of said, he, as he bounces past Ricardo, and you could see it. I don't know if that was the track in the braking zone there or, or the porpoising, but you could literally see him hopping up and down as he went around, around the outside of him. Yeah, the porpoising is crazy. So up front, I mean, that's the biggest, right, the biggest story of this was it looks like Red Bull has, is on pace this weekend. Maybe they even got a little more. It, it kind of looked like it was a tire um, issue. Leclerc's tires uh, went off a little more than Verstappen's did, yeah. and that was able for Verstappen to catch. But, of course, he might have been – you think you're not doing this in the sprint race maybe less because it's only 21 laps, but it did seem like he was just kind of hanging back, hanging about a second and a half behind, biding his time, and then he chipped away at it, got got within DRS range, and then it took him a couple laps and he made the pass. Um, it, a wonderful pass. I mean, a, a great move around the outside. He left room on the inside for Leclerc still. Um, and of course, the you know you get the great radio messages where just just lead me to it, lead me to it. I yeah. know what I know what I'm doing. Right. Um, almost sounded exactly like Kimmy there. Yeah. Um, yeah. The DR he, he passed of course after the front straight going into turn one and two. The DRS was just crazy powerful. It um, was there, the but sprint. I think there was only how many zones are there? I think it's only that zone. Right, but, but it's, it's so a long and powerful that, one. Yeah. yeah, it was basically if you're coming out of that within point six, you're gonna. You're going to go into turn one in the lead. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that was uh, not surprising. Verstappen and Leclerc at the front. Also, Perez and Sainz, P3, P4. But um, but the way they got there was pretty, uh, you know, not as uh, straightforward as the result suggests. Uh, Perez had to fight his way up to P3 from P7 and Sainz to P4 from P10. So Yeah, all the way to P4. Yeah, I think I, th- I thought he was third for some reason earlier. But, yeah, all the way to P4, that was an, an impressive drive. You know, particularly in such short, uh, you know, they only had two thirds of the already shortened sprint race to, to do it. But I, I think you know, we last last race Australia, it looked like uh, Ferrari maybe had had taken a step clear. Of course, we kept talking about the one off Australia, and you know, maybe it was a bit of a one off for that, and that Ferrari's advantage isn't as big as we thought it was. It, it appears here, at least from the sprint race, um, that Verstappen, you know, has the pace to possibly win this thing. Or, you know, obviously he just won the sprint race, so it looks like he's got the pace to win it. But I, I think we may see an interesting battle throughout the year that will ebb and flow as tracks suit certain teams or suit Ferrari versus Red Bull. So we may be able to see this all year. Maybe it'll end up being like last year where, you know, they're that close and we got two guys fighting the wins. It just, unfortunately, it's not Hamilton this year, but fortunately it's Leclerc because it's another, new, another 
a talent coming up that we uh, can finally see uh, realize his potential. Yeah, it's definitely going to be, it just feels like it's going to be a very competitive season all the way through and, and things have definitely been stirred up and we've got a lot of different people jockeying for position. There were seven different teams reflected in the top 10 for the, uh, oh, wow. for the, for the sprint. But part of that was what you mentioned earlier, kind of the wacky uh, qualifying because it wasn't necessarily a, a real reflection of pace because you had the wet conditions and all the red flags and changing conditions uh, that kind of caught some teams out. So um, it was a little wacky at the starting grid, but overall there's definitely more parity and more competition going on this season. Yeah, and, and they clearly can pass at least easier than they could in the past. So it's uh, hopefully we're going to see a lot more battles up front uh, between Verstappen and Leclerc. And I, you know, hopefully as much as I'm not a Mercedes fan and I haven't uh, traditionally rooted for, for them or Hamilton, um, you know, I was a Rossberg fan, but, but I, I really would like to see Mercedes, you know, fighting with Ferrari. I mean, can you imagine if we had a three team battle for wins and, and just, just the extra, factor that would bring into you know you can be just a shade off but you're third instead of first and qual I, I don't know i just i gotta feel i gotta think they're gonna get it together and Me then too. we could see four drivers up there or five if science isn't the number two that he seems to be morphing into you know mm-hmm. then maybe maybe perez steps it up and we got six drivers i mean now yeah. i'm just now i'm just fantasizing just dreaming yeah all right well that's about it any predictions for the race tomorrow I, I don't want to make anything other than I think we're going to see a good a good battle between I hope we see a good battle between Verstappen and uh, Leclerc. Hopefully neither of them runs away with it. We see a good a good tight battle. I feel like Red Bull is going to take P one and P two. I feel like it's going to be Verstappen and Perez, <clears throat> and then Leclerc. I think Science is going to hang in there for P four, and then I think P five through eight is going to be McLaren, Botas, and Alonso in some. Okay, I think that's some a pretty jumbled good, order. Pretty good. It's a, a bit of a bold prediction thing. Perez is gonna. I know, I know, but I'm, I'm you know I'm trying not to just go by the you know uh, straightforward odds. Yeah. So I think we're I think that Red Bull and Ferrari are close enough, and like I said, it's going to ebb and flow enough um, that I don't think we're going to see my my thoughts are we're not going to see the number two driver factor in as much as as you're thinking here that would but sense. i yeah. um you know i've been probably wrong more than right in my predictions so uh yeah let's see well, me too yeah i wouldn't sure. be surprised if if you're right yeah i'm just going to keep making these weird predictions and then at some point one of them's going to be right and then, I'll and then look nobody like remembers all the ones you exactly wrong, right? yeah. and then i'll just tweet that one out where i uh, predicted uh, the Mazepin, starting grid. mazepin for for victory by the end of the yeah. year mazepin will run a race yeah you can wager that actually. I was looking at the wagering options oh, really? on an F1 site, and yeah, there was. I'm sure it's just kind of a fun bet that they put in there, but yeah, yeah you can bet on whether Mazepin will run a race this uh, oh. year. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. Yeah. All right, well, I think that probably does it for us today. Thanks for listening and uh, enjoy the race. See you next time. It's called a motor race, okay? We went to car racing. Car racing. Car racing. Car racing.